Hey, welcome to Northview. We're so glad you've decided to join our online service. My name is Joshua. I'm one of our campus pastors. And I've been really encouraged to hear about how many of you who are watching, maybe even right now, uh, have never actually attended Northview before. This might be your very first online service with us. And if that's you and you have some questions about our church, we'd love for you to fill out an online connect card. If you have questions about what we do in the middle of the week or even about Jesus himself and why it is that we worship him, uh, we'd love for you to fill that card out and then we can connect with you as soon as we can. We're also really thankful that God has opened up the opportunity for us to be gathering in groups of 50 here at the Downs Road campus and also at our Mission campus. Uh, but you need to register for those in order to make sure we, we live within the guidelines of 50 people. And up until this point, our registration has opened Mondays at 7 p.m., but we're moving that now to Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And then registration will be open all the way up until about an hour before the weekend service. And if you realize after you've registered that maybe plans have changed and you can't make it, uh, would you just let us know, send us a, an email or give us a phone call. That way we can, we can free that spot up for someone else who'd love to be there. We're also excited to be looking ahead at September, as much as it feels like summer just started, to plan for our fall Bible studies. So if you're interested in getting together with some people of our church and studying the scriptures with some of our pastors, we wanna encourage you to register for those Bible studies. You can find those registrations on our website, northview.org. Uh, and the registration is already open, but it's gonna close about mid-August. So you're gonna wanna jump on that soon. If you have kids in the home, we wanna encourage you to find our kids service video. Uh, this is a useful resource for you to use as a family, to watch as a family, and Lord willing, it can help you engage in some meaningful gospel conversations together. Now let's hand it over to Jerry, Nate, and Stephanie as they lead us in a few songs of worship. He led me out of the desert He brought me into his streams River of living Took the shackles off my feet And there's no sound louder than The captives set free
Yeah.
We're continuing our sermon series in the book of Proverbs, but before we hand it over to Pastor Ezra, uh, would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that we can gather, even if it's online here, that we can hear your word, we can celebrate and worship you through song. And so we pray, Father, that as Pastor Ezra opens up the book of Proverbs to us, Lord, that you would speak through him, that you would soften our hearts and open our ears, that we would be filled with awe and wonder at your wisdom and how it uh, shapes our lives. And so, God, thank you. We pray your blessing on Pastor Ezra. We pray your blessing on our church. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. All right. So as you all know, I was born in Africa. And uh, my mom and dad uh, kept telling my brothers and I not to play outside with some of the kids who are in the neighborhood. Why? Because we lived in the ghetto. We lived in a very, very hard area. Lots of drugs, lots of uh, gang activity, theft, violence, uh, kids swearing. Basically, a very, very difficult um, neighborhood. So my mom and dad had uh, really denied themselves significantly to take us to a private school. So we were kind of like the softies in the area, the snowflakes, you would say, uh, in this particular neighborhood. But I loved soccer. I watched soccer with my brothers and things like that. It was really cool. And the kids in this neighborhood loved to play soccer as well. And so they had clubs and things. And so we'd have our neighborhood, would play with another neighborhood. And I would hear the kids screaming and yelling and cheering their teams. We would make a soccer ball using like uh, plastic bags. So you just grab a whole bunch of plastic bags and, and newspapers and then shove them into a, into a plastic bag and then tie some rope around. And that's the ball we would play with in this area. Anyway, so I'd see kids playing and I would really want to go and join them. But my dad kept on saying, no, 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 you can't, you can't. And I was always frustrated because it kind of gets old playing with your siblings, right? So anyway, I, uh, in my frustration, I kept going to my mom and saying, but mom, I just want to go and play. I want to go and have fun. I want to play with these kids. And my mom kept saying, Ezra, Ezra, bad company corrupts good morals, is what she would say to me. It's a proverb. Bad company corrupts good morals. And then she'd go on and say, but Ezra, you do realize that birds of a feather flock together. So Ezra, if you hang out with these kids, they are swearing, they are cursing, they are stealing, and all these traits, they'll be very much a part of your life. And that's why dad is saying, you cannot go and play with these kids. And yes, mom kept saying all these things, but I still felt a yearning to go and play. But those proverbs meant something. They meant something to me. See, every culture has a proverb, and a proverb is basically a wise saying, a wise saying which will help us navigate these unpredictable twists and turns in life, right? A proverb will always help impart wisdom and guidance. It will help you make right choices in life. So, for example, in English uh, or in Canada, you would say we have proverbs like, hey, don't count your chickens before they hatch. And we all know what that means, right? Don't count your chickens before they hatch. You don't know what it means? I'll tell you what it means. So remember the Vancouver Canucks in 2012, I believe, and they were like almost there. They had won all these games. It was one game and they'd win the Stanley Cup. Just win one game. Everybody was now partying. It almost seems like, yeah, Vancouver had it in the bag. No, they lost three games in a row. All they needed to do was win one game and we would be celebrating the Stanley Cup. Yeah, don't count your chickens before they hatch. 
a bird in hand is worth two in the bush. A bird in hand is worth two in the bush. And parents would say this to kids who are looking for a job. Oh, I don't want that job. I want the other job. I want this high-paying job. And a parent would come and say, you know, a bird in hand is worth two in the bush. All that glitters is not gold. Do not judge a book by its cover. Now, probably some of you, when you heard that I was preaching, you're kind of like, hey, Ezra, so I don't know. Yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not done yet. Right? Those are wise sayings, proverbs that will help us navigate life's challenges. In Swahili, um, the national language of Kenya, where I'm from, we also have some proverbs, and some of them are quite interesting. For example, it'll say, the patient person eats the fruit. Now, it doesn't, make quite, it doesn't have quite the punch in English as it does in Swahili, meaning, hey, if you're just patient, patient, wait, wait, yeah, you will get rewarded. Your patience will get rewarded. Or another one that would say, uh, blood is thicker than water. And this one my mom would keep reminding me, hey, Ezra, blood is thicker than water, meaning my allegiance and commitment to my friends was so high that when we had a family gathering, I would rather go and hang out with my friends. So mom would say, you know, Ezra, blood is thicker than water, meaning, yeah, you have your friends and that's great, but just remember your family. Remember you have responsibilities, you have commitments in your family, Ezra. But then there's this funny one. So when someone is in over their heads, competing with the Joneses, you know, you're trying to, to, to match up. Oh, you know, I see them with an iPhone 13. I want this one. And then I see them with a new vehicle. I also go and buy a new one. Now, they're probably way more wealthy than I am. You know, they go on these holidays. I am now raking in money. In, I mean, I'm, I'm swiping my credit card so that I could also have holidays and stories to tell. So I'm weighing over my head in, 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 in uh, competing with my neighbors. Do you know what we would say in Africa to someone like that? We would say, hey, buddy, you cannot, you cannot out-poop an elephant. You really cannot out-poop an elephant, meaning an elephant is bigger than you. Now, I know it's a little bit of a grotesque kind of um, an image, but basically just says, hey, stay in your lane. Don't try and compete with someone who's bigger than you. All this to say, we all have proverbs, and they're just wise sayings that help us to navigate life's um, twists and turns. So this summer, we are going through a whole bunch of uh, proverbs. And basically, what we're doing is just looking at a couple of uh, verses and see what can we learn from these proverbs. And so today, we'll find ourselves in Proverbs chapter 30. So if you have a Bible, you want to open Proverbs 30. Verse 7 to 9, a very interesting text. Now, I'll just couch uh, this up front to say, this is a prayer, and it's the only prayer that is found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30. The only prayer that is found in this book. And the author will write this, so I'll read it, and then we'll unpack it together. Proverbs 30, verse 7. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And there ends the reading. Now, here the, 
the author is praying to God and he's asking God, hey, I have two requests. Put falsehood and lies away from me and also give me neither poverty nor riches, but only my daily bread. So we only focus on that last piece, the second piece. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but only my daily bread. That's what we're going to focus on today. So Christians, in case you didn't know, there are some Christian groups that say, you know what? There is something known as positive confessions. Positive confessions. So this means um, whatever you confess with your mouth will, de- will determine what happens to you as a person. So you, whatever you say will basically happen to you. And so there are some websites that are there that have been put together by people who will actually teach you exactly what to say, what confessions you need to make in order for you to have, um, in order for God to bless you. Because again, God is, it's almost like God has to, has to fulfill that which comes from your mouth. So what you say really, really, really matters. The favors you demand from God must be stated positively without wavering. So now, the people who have this website will say, the reason why you're not rich, the reason why you're not rich, the reason why you're not rich is because you are not confessing positively. You're not saying things positively. And so because of that, that's why you're struggling. So if you send us 999, we will give you a few sentences, but if you're really desperate, it might cost you up to $1,000, and we will have a coach who will walk you through your confessions. And so if you say some things uh, one way or the other way, obviously, God, the floodgates of heaven will, will open, and you will receive your bounty. You'll receive your blessing. So now, there are so many, so many questions that come to mind here. Because obviously, those who are going to be hooked in into this uh, scam, I would say, would be people who are struggling financially. And they will want God's blessing. So when it comes to uh, finances, money, possessions, what should we ask from God? What What are the requests that we ought to bring before him when we are seeking his face with respect to money and possession? How should you ask? And that's what we're going to be looking at. So two points that we're going to be looking at from this particular verse, this particular text. Two things. One, having too much may lead to idolatry. Having too much might lead to idolatry. Second, having too little might lead to rebellion. So having too much may lead to idolatry. Verse 8, give me neither poverty nor riches, but Give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is my Lord? Now, in Mark chapter 10, there's a very interesting story. And the story is of a rich young ruler. So this, Jesus is busy doing ministry. He's blessing people in the community. Things are really going well. And so this young man comes running to Jesus and throws himself at Jesus' feet and says, good teacher, What must I do in order to inherit the kingdom of God? So Jesus looks at this person and says, hey, 
these are some of the things you should do. You know, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud uh, your neighbor, honor your father and mother, do these things. And so this young man is listening to Jesus speaking and he's just counting and saying, hey, hey, um, that's great. But Lord, these are the things that I do. These are the things that I do. This is my life. Jesus looks at this young man, loves him, and says, young man, you lack one thing. Go sell all your possessions, give your money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then after that, come follow me. So just think about that for a moment. The young man has come to Jesus, asking him, Lord, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? Jesus gives, me, gives him a bunch of uh, commands. The guy says, yes, I've done all that. Yeah, but go sell. Go sell everything you have, and then come follow me. Jesus basically gives this man two choices. Either your money or me. Which, which is it, young man? And then the story now ends with this young man, very sad. And he looks down and he goes away. And Jesus says, oh, it is, it's very difficult. It's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Obviously, the young man had so, so many riches. He had a lot of, lot of wealth. So the idea of parting with all that wealth and Jesus to be his treasure was something that he was not particularly willing to do. So here's a question. Supposing Jesus was to come to you and say, hey, go sell all your possessions, give your money to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me, what would you do? You see, it's very easy for us to point a finger to this rich young ruler and yet we would face the same challenges, right? We'd face the same challenges. And maybe some of us are not as wealthy, but the little we have, man, giving it up would be hard. So I remember, again, growing up, still the same neighborhood where um, I wanted to play soccer with some friends. So there was this particular time I remember clearly. Um, mom was at home, dad was away on a trip, and we had no money. And back in the day in Africa, there was no credit cards. So everything was just cash, 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 cash. So I remember we were at home and mom had nothing. And so she called myself and my two brothers and she says, kids, we have nothing in the house. The, the, the cupboard's empty, no food. We had very little sugar and water. That's it. And so mom, is, mom said, okay, we need to go and buy cornmeal, but we don't have money for cornmeal so that we can make some porridge and then we would eat this meal and then trust God. Maybe dad would come back home sooner. Dad was gone and back in those days, we didn't have cell phones. So when dad was gone, he's gone. We didn't have a phone at home. So we just had to wait for dad to get home. We didn't know when he was coming back. So my brothers and I began to look for coins. We were removing the cushions from the seats, from the couches, and looking for all those little coins, the pennies and everything, inside, you know, the couches, 
under the beds. We searched the whole house for any single coin we could find, and we'd find a coin here, a coin there. It took us a, a couple of hours to find enough coins, those that are just in the corner where you can't find, in clothes, baskets, everything, to find just enough money, barely enough money to just buy a small little kilogram of cornmeal. And we took that money and I held it tight because mom sent me to the store so that I could buy the cornmeal. So as I'm walking to the store, holding this coin so tight so that I don't lose one, because if I lose one, I can't buy anything, this is our last meal. I was praying and asking God, Lord, why aren't we rich? Why aren't we rich? Why do we have, why do we have to live in this poor neighborhood? Why aren't we rich? Why aren't we wealthy? Because I hated the fact that we had to take two hours to find enough money to buy cornmeal so that we may have our last meal because who knows when dad's coming home. And I wrestled with God and so I wasn't blaming God per se, but I was blaming myself because I kind of felt like I don't have enough faith in God. And that's why we're in the situation we are in Went to the store, I counted the money very carefully so that none would fall over, like fall off the counter. The storekeeper gave me the cornmeal, went home, mixed the cornmeal with water, made our porridge, and ate it up quick. And we waited for dad to come a couple of days later. And I wondered, Lord, why? Why aren't you blessing us? And I was trying, let me have more faith, more faith, more faith. See, the problem is this. See, I asked for riches so that I didn't have to worry about the future. I asked that the Lord would bless us so much so that my confidence would not be in God and his provision, but so that my confidence would be in the size of the bank account, the amount of money that was there. So my faith would now be in the bank and not in God. So right now we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And I'm sure many of you know someone in your, um, in your group, in your life, maybe in your family who's been laid off. A lot of people, if you have any money in the stock market, you've lost 30, 40% maybe, depending on what investments you have. A lot of people who are on fixed income retirees are struggling right now, wondering what will the future look like? And then thinking forward now, what economic impact will this pandemic bring? What will be the final price tag to it? And there are many people, and I'm sure you at home, and you guys here, are concerned. What will the future look like? Will you be able to provide for yourself and your loved ones? Will you be able to meet your financial obligations? Will we have more taxes now to pay? Will the price of bread and milk and other essentials go up? Probably. Again, we don't know, but we are all concerned about what will happen in the coming months, if not in the coming few years because of this pandemic. So my question then is this, as you're wondering, how are you praying about it? What's your prayer to God with respect to how you provide for your family and friends and loved ones? 
What are you saying to the Lord? Are you asking for and kind of hoping for abundance that God will not just give you your daily bread, but will give you above and beyond so that you don't have to worry about what the future looks like? Or are you putting your hope 100% squarely on God that he may provide for your daily bread? Like think about the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Not this week, not this month, not this year. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And pray again tomorrow. Lord, give us this day. Is that how we pray? And is that what we are hoping for? Or are we hoping for so much more? So much more so that we don't have to worry. And so therefore our confidence is now in the amount we have rather than in the Lord who is the provider. Now you may be here and you ask a question. Okay, so Ezra, but how, what if, what if I am praying and I'm asking Lord, okay, Lord, um, provide for me, give me my daily bread today. And then God decides to open the floodgates of heaven and he blesses my business. And I begin to make a ton of, I'm just raking it in. I'm doing really well. Like the, 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 the prosperity is coming and the Lord is building my business. I'm just, it's a rocket, it's taking off. What if God chooses to do that? What am I supposed to do? Like say, no, I don't want it, I don't want it. Like what do I do? Okay, let's pause the sermon a little bit. I'll just go off a little tangent, then I'll come back. Just a little tangent. So I'll read uh, Psalm 67. Psalm 67 will answer this very question. The psalmist writes saying, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his his face shine on us so that your way may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. A very, very interesting prayer. Verse six, the land yields its harvest. God, our God blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. It's a very interesting text there where the psalmist is saying, hey, may the Lord be gracious to us and bless us. Why? Why should the Lord be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine shine upon us so that your way, his way, may be known on all the earth. Your salvation, his salvation among the nations. So in other words, the blessing that God is giving us, we then turn that blessing around, that prosperity, the windfall, we turn it around for God's salvific purposes. So we become conduits of God's grace and mercy. And we use what God has blessed us, not to build bigger barns, but to ensure that the gospel goes forth in great power. And we have an illustration of this in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, 36. We are told a story there of Barnabas, the son of encouragement, the scriptures say. And what does Barnabas do? Barnabas had a field. He's probably rich, wealthy, had a field. And he sold it, and then he brought the money and placed it at the apostles' feet. And he wasn't just the only one who did this. There were many. It was their custom to share and to bring the, 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 the proceeds of what God has so richly blessed them. 
and provide for the ministry of, of, of the gospel to other people. So this means they're caring for one another's needs and also propagating the gospel, funding the gospel. This is the purpose for the blessing that God would grant us. So the question then becomes, when we pray and we are yearning, Lord, would you bless my business? Would you grant me this six-figure income? Would you open these doors? Why? Why should God bless you this way? What's the motive? Is the motive to fund God's business? Or is it for the better holiday? The bigger house? Better clothes? And so on and so forth. You see, we are to be conduits of God's blessing. We are to move as God blesses, we pass it along and we fund ministries and missionaries and church planting and all those things, yes. But we also need to recognize that the abundance of wealth and the riches that, that the Lord may bless us with, they can lead to idolatry. They can lead to us depending on the wealth rather than depending on God. Where right now we would rather trust the bank account than we do the Lord who provides that job to begin with. So when there is no money, we are anxious. Let me give a final example of this and then we'll move to the second point. The final example will be any parent who has little kids at home. The kids are not thinking about what they're going to have for dinner tonight. They're not. They're not thinking about dinner. Why? Because they know mom and dad is there. Now, mom and dad, you probably have no idea where tonight's dinner is going to come from. Even next week's dinner is coming from. And so you're wondering, maybe it could go to the food bank. But I, you're wrestling with this idea because you probably lost your job because of COVID-19. Your kids are not stressing whatsoever. Why? You're there. You're there. And it's dinner time, they will show up with smiley faces and they will expect something warm or hot on the table. They're not concerned whatsoever. And you being a good parent, what will you do? You'll provide. See, the Lord is a faithful father. And he'll supply your needs in accordance to his riches in Christ. His glorious riches in Christ. And the Lord blesses, may we be conduits. But as his blessings continue to flow, may we realize and recognize that riches, comforts, the abundance of wealth can lead. It can lead to idolatry. It can lead to a dependence on it. And what if you lose it? That one. What if the Lord comes and asks, hey, Sell all your possessions, give your money to the poor, follow Jesus. Would you do it? And if you struggle, then there might be an idol there. Second thing, second thing here. Too little, too little may lead to blasphemy. So too much may lead to idolatry. Too little may lead to blasphemy. Let's look at the verse again. Give me neither poverty nor riches. 
but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So my wife, a number of years ago, uh, she was in the photography industry and her and some of her colleagues uh, got together and they, uh, and they um, did, um, what do you call it, a, uh, a charity event that they called, um, they called Help Portrait. So what Help Portrait was, is all the um, uh, families who are serviced by the food bank would come and um, Tamara and her whole team, they would have photography, like pictures taken of these families because some of these families have never had a good professional family picture taken of them. So my wife and her buddies would then go and talk to hairdressers and the hairdressers would come to do the hair and makeup artists, all pro bono, all free. And so makeup artists would come and do some makeup and barbers would cut the kids' hair and trim and, and do all these things. And then they would also be talking to churches and uh, to Valley Village to see, hey, Valley, would, you, would you have some extra clothes that you would want to donate to these families? And so it was a big deal that go to Save on Foods and other organizations to provide other uh, grocery stores, to provide sandwiches and drinks and water and things like that. A phenomenal, phenomenal thing. They did it for about three years or so. And then some of her friends moved away and then it ended. But a phenomenal, phenomenal outreach, a way to, to love the neighborhood. But what was interesting is, so there was a time I would pop in and just see what was going on. And so you'd see some of these poor families would come. And their kids are having their hair done. They're all excited and their sandwich is there. And you'd just see some of the dads or moms, they're kind of looking around and shoving some of the food in their bags, in their pockets. And you know, yeah, they're not asking. They know they're stealing. But as I looked at them, I just saw, yeah, this... They're poor. Let them take. Take the platter. Take it. Because this is a meal. The point being, poverty can push you to do things that you never thought you would do. I have cousins in Africa. One cousin in particular, my first cousin, he passed away a number of years ago. Violent death in prison. Why? He was a criminal. What brought him to, to crime? Poverty. When you're so hungry, you have a little child and you have no idea how you're going to meet his need. So you go to crime to try and make ends meet. You see, the author here will say, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Why? Otherwise I'll have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Isn't that interesting? So in other words, in this little passage that we've looked at today, there are two extremes and the author knows there's a snare in either side. Lord, if I'm super rich, I might disown you because I might love the money more than I love you. Or if I become poor, man, the temptation to steal, the temptation to get into crime is so huge. So he knows that there is, 
there's a snare in either side. And so he's saying, Lord, don't give me too much or too, just enough. Just enough. But if he overwhelms you with blessing, you know what to do with it, as we've talked about. So then the question then becomes, what is the motivation for such a prayer? What should motivate us for such a prayer? What motivated the author of this passage? What motivated him to pray the prayer we've just seen here? The concern is his relationship with God. That is primary. That's the concern. That's the driving force behind his prayer. His relationship with God. He is concerned. Lord, I don't want anything to jeopardize. I don't want anything to compromise my relationship with you. So don't give me so much because that might compromise my relationship with you. Don't give me too little because that might also compromise. I might start being envious and, and yearning for things that I shouldn't yearn for. Relationship with God is the motivation. Your eternal state is the motivation. So two questions for you then. Is your view of money and possessions and your prayer requests, do they reflect your view of money, possessions, your prayer requests, do they reflect a concern for your eternal state? What you pray about when you're thinking about money, even during this COVID-19 pandemic uncertain future and you're praying and asking God to provide for you and meet your needs. Maybe you're looking for a job. It's not there. You've been, you've been laid off. You probably uh, have deferred your mortgages and you know, yeah, that window is closing fast and there's nothing on the horizon and you're praying and you're trusting God. Question, even in that prayer, even in that prayer, are the words of your prayers and the requests that you bring before God are they motivated, motivated by your desire to have a solid relationship with God? Do they reflect a concern, your concern, for your eternal state? Do they show that there is a desire in you to live your life in a manner that is worthy of the gospel or not? See, the prayers you say when you're in, fi in a financial pinch, in financially uncertain times, those prayers say a lot about us, don't they? They do. And so I think the takeaway today would be this. Oh, may the Lord help you to focus primarily on your relationship with him, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things will be given to you. Jesus ends that passage with this verse. What did he say um, before this, this verse? He's talking about, look at the birds of the air. Have you ever seen a bird in the air starving? Have you ever seen a bird in the air uh, like struggling to find anything to eat? How many birds are out there? Billions of birds. Yet your heavenly father feeds every single one of them. Does he not? They don't have storehouses. They don't have barns. 
But every year, year after year after year, your heavenly father feeds them all. And Jesus says, yet you're more precious than the bird. The grass of the field, the flowers, beautiful colors. No one can wear garments as beautiful as a nice bouquet of flowers. Who created them? God did. They're just grasses that will be burned or that die and wither. You're more precious. Your Father in heaven cares for you more, so much more. So he says, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and all these things, all of them will be given to you. Therefore, may the Lord give us neither poverty nor riches, but may he only give us our daily bread. Otherwise, we may have too much and say, who's the Lord? Or we may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of our Lord. So let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for just this reminder. We are right in the midst of a, of a pandemic right now and a lot of families are wondering what the next months or years will look like. Bills are piling up. Businesses are shut down. People are out of work. The future is uncertain. The economy, we don't even know what it will look like at the end of all of this. So, Father, we look to you. And in as much as, Lord, we, we may not want to worry about money and how we will meet our bills, pay our bills and all that, Father, I know we worry and we are concerned about all these things. So, Father, would you fill us with your spirit and help us, help us, Father, each one of us, to trust you, to recognize that we are more precious to you than the birds of the air and the fish in the sea, to trust you to know that, Lord, you'll provide for every need. Lord, I ask that you'd give us this day our daily bread. And Father, for, for those of us whom you have blessed abundantly, Father, may we be conduits of the blessing you've given us. And may we recognize that with great wealth comes the danger of turning it into idolatry. And so, Father, help us, keep us, keep us from idolatry. Help us to be faithful with that which you bless us with. We commend ourselves now to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for the great message, Pastor Ezra. We, we want to continue to worship our Lord. We, we worship him through singing. We worship him by receiving his word and responding to it. We, we worship him by offering our very lives to him. And so giving is just another natural way that we, we worship. So we've got a number of options for you to give here at Northview. You can give online through the website. You can use the text to give option. There's a number on your screen. Or if you'd rather, you could drop off a check at our Downs Road office during the, our office hours. Now let's hand it back over to Nate, uh, Jerry, and Stephanie as they lead us in another song of worship. Psalm 62, verses 5 to 8 says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. 
My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge.
Well, thanks so much for joining us for this online service. Let me send you off with a word from Philippians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week.